Home should be a place of victory for your family, but Christian values are being threatened everywhere. What can a parent do when they are trying to raise their children from a faith-based perspective? Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents, written by Dan Seaborn with his team of credentialed counselors, coaches, and pastors, dives into the mess of 21st century parenting and provides clarity in the midst of chaos. Don't we all need that? It provides tools to tackle some of today's complex topics. Supporting parents with toddlers all the way to launching adult children, winning at home, Is the parenting manual every Christian home needs? Thank you for tuning in to The Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I want to talk about cheering each other on. Now, this is one of my favorite topics, and maybe, just maybe, it goes back to me being a cheerleader. Now, often when I go speak at conferences or even small groups, I will talk about growing up, my growing up years, I was born to a single mom, um, and all those things, but one of the things I always do kind of to bring some humor into my talk is to talk about being a cheerleader for Weed High, and that's in Weed, California. Um, Now, you may have heard on the news that, again, Weed has faced another um, forest fire or fire in the town that has burnt down a lot of homes, which is just heartbreaking. My heart goes back because I remember those homes. I remember staying the night with my friends in some of the homes that burned down, and it just really was a special place because it was a small community. And I really feel growing up, I learned about cheering each other on. Now, as a cheerleader for Weed High, uh, one of the cheers went a little something like this. Weed High is the best. High is the best. High you can get. Now, uh, I usually get shocked looks when I talk about that. But, of course, weed is the name of the town. We're not talking about any substances here. But I remember as a cheerleader learning how to really pay attention. We went to cheerleading camp that first year and they taught us how to cheer for the offense and cheer for the defense. And we learned how to do halftime cheers and no one really taught us when to do the cheers. And I'm not joking. So the defense, our team would be on the defense and we'd be cheering for the offense and (laughs) right away I had to learn mostly because there was a lot of angry people in the crowd who knew uh, when we're supposed to be cheering for the offense and when we're supposed to be cheering for the defense. I had to learn to pay attention. I had to learn to know what was going on with the game. If we were on a first down or a second down, I had to pay attention to when we were getting close to scoring um, or when we were even down by a lot. I had to pay attention to when to 
you know, have those cheers that were really encouraging and call out cheers that would just help our team to, um, you know, rally together. Although, you know, looking back, it was probably more about, uh, you know, the cute little outfit and the notoriety of being a cheerleader than actually wanting to cheer on the team. But that's the topic for a different podcast. But going back and thinking about being a cheerleader makes me realize how much I love doing that today. I love um, supporting my friends. I have a writing um, private group on Facebook where I help people know how to write books. I cheer them on. And if you are interested in that, and we'll put it in the show notes, it's just called Write That Book. And you can find out more information at writethatbook.club. But I love cheering on at the writers. I love cheering on my kids when I see them, um, you know, learning and growing and changing. I love cheering on other homeschool parents and just letting them know that you can do it. And I was able a couple years ago to do this in even a more impactful way by cheering on a couple that I actually saw on national TV and I did it in a unique way. So as I'm talking about how to cheer other people on, I'm going to be sharing about Todd and Brooke Tillman. So I first saw the Tillmans when I was watching The Voice. And if you're not familiar, The Voice is a singing competition and they have um, celebrity um, mentors. They don't call them judges, celebrity mentors. And that season, it was Blake Shelton, John Legend, um, Nick Jonas, and Kelly Clarkson were, I don't think, I don't think really hard, were the judges that year. And one of the reasons why I love the voice, they're called mentors, not judges, because the celebrity mentors are cheering on those that come out to sing. So they get ordinary people from around the United States that maybe sing in church or sing, sung in their, uh, their school plays or maybe have a YouTube channel, but really have never made it big. And they listen to their voices. So their backs turn so they don't see what they look out, look like. And then, you know, if they like the voice, they turn for them. And then they, if there's more than one mentor that turns, they kind of fight over, um, and fight over the person and the person gets to choose which team they want to be on. So if you haven't seen The Voice, I love it. I hardly watch TV, but that is definitely one of the things that I watch because I just think it's so fun to have these celebrities like fighting over very ordinary people. So I've been a fan of The Voice for years. I always have my favorites, but um, in 2020, it was season 18. There was um, the very first person that came out from The Voice to audition was a man, um, which I didn't remember his name at the time, but it's Todd Tillman. And he sang, he had this really raspy, like country sounding voice and all four judges turned and they were fighting over him, trying to get Todd to be on their team. And Todd ended up um, picking Blake Shelton. And while that was super fun and I, lo- I loved his voice. Um, and I thought, well, that's so cool. Four chair turn, the very first person that they aired this season. What really made me take notice was his wife, Brooke, and his son, um, Egan, who were there cheering 
him on. And the joy, the excitement, the overwhelmed emotions of his wife, I remember tearing up as I watched that. And I remember that very first time I saw them, I thought she could be my friend. <laughs> and they went on and, and Todd was a pastor from a small town in Mississippi. And they had eight kids, they'd adopted kids. And so here I am, I was making dinner. I clearly remember I had my computer set up um, on my counter in the kitchen. I was making dinner. And I remember seeing that saying, I love his voice. I love this family. Uh, that woman could be my friend. And the whole season, I was cheering on the Tillmans. It wasn't just I was cheering on Todd, which, yes, I still guess he continued on, um, still continued cheering on him but his wife and his family and their eight kids and they homeschooled and I just thought this is the coolest thing ever the small town pastor from Mississippi who had never performed other than in church Um, he led worship and he preached and did all the things and raised the kids and they homeschooled Um, I thought this is amazing that someone like me a family like ours is on the national stage. Well, I remember um, talking with my agent, Janet, and we were both cheering on um, Todd Tillman. And then came the day where we saw the final episode and the final episode was set up in a room with all his kids and he was singing and it showed all their faces. And I'm like, oh, this family is the coolest ever. And just really hoping that they won, voted for them. And then of course they did. He won. They won. Their family won, and Todd won The Voice. And I remember that day, I ended up emailing my agent, and I said, I think I need to try to find the Tillmans, locate them, talk to them, because I think it would be amazing to write a book about their story. And I had been cheering them on all season. He had won. He had won The Voice. You know, he's on all the big um, national broadcasts. And here's little old me saying, I think we should, I want to write the book about them. And my agent's like, first of all, you ruined it because she had recorded it. She hadn't watched it. Sorry, Janet. But she said, I think that's a great idea. See if you can get in touch with them. So friends, like this is the ultimate fangirl moment. I went on Facebook and I said, if anyone knows uh, Totterbrook Tillman, I would love to talk to them about, um, and at first I said interviewing Brooke for my podcast because <laughs> I didn't want all these people to think, okay, Trisha's totally crazy. She's just going to write a book about these people she just saw on TV. And that was my first intention, just to interview book Brooke for my podcast, this, this podcast that you're listening to now. Um, but right away, after I talked to Janet, yes, let's see if they want to do a book. And so we had mutual friends. Y'all, we are in the South. Like, we are Christians in the South. Seems like everybody's connected to everybody somehow. And sure enough, some of my mutual friends knew some of their friends. And Brooke was tagged in that comment. And that day, so this is the day after um, Todd won the voice. Brooke's like, yeah, girl, I'd love to be interviewed. And then I said, hey, what do you think about a book? Oh, man, yes, that'd be so cool. And so Todd won the voice on a Tuesday by Monday, we were on a Zoom call with me and Janet, my agent, which became our agent, Todd and Brooke, talking about the possibility about me writing their book. And this is someone I'd been watching on TV and just so excited about Todd and his voice and his family. 
And less than a week after he won, we are talking about his book. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it back to all this cheering part. And really, I think so much of our lives, it comes down to a a few things. And it doesn't have to be on national TV, but it has to be first about noticing. And noticing each other, noticing what's going on, noticing the ups, the downs, the challenges, the talents that other people have. And it makes me again think of that cheerleader at Weed High who had a notice what was going on on the field. I had to notice if it was the offense, the defense, if we were on first down, if we had just got a touchdown, and I had to know when to cheer. And I think so many times in life we forget to notice, and if we do notice, we often feel as if we're comparing ourselves. And not once did I ever say, oh, I wish my husband was on The Voice. And first of all, John Like, he uh, sings in the car with the kids silly songs, but, you know, he's not musical. We're not a musical family. Um, We don't need to compare. And I've learned this over the years as a family, um, not to compare my family, my kids, my husband, my marriage, myself to other people. I had a friend, um, well, she became a friend, but years ago, there was another homeschooling family that my husband worked with, um, the husband of this family. And he would always say, oh, we need to get together with them. You would love Tara. And Tara, this was Montana. She lived on a uh, little ranch. They raised their own meat. They had a garden. She baked her own pies. And I felt like I did not compare to Tara because she just seemed to have all of her act together. And Um, It took years for me to reach out to her. Finally, one day I was praying like, God, who can I reach out to today? And he put her name in my mind. I'm like, of course. And so I reached out to her, asked them to come over for dinner. And Tara became one of my best friends. And I had wasted years because I was comparing. And then she said, well, she didn't want to get together with me because here I was writing books and articles and homeschooling and my kids seem perfect. And I was looking at her kids thinking they seem perfect. And we wasted those years. And so I think so many times in life, first of all, um, often we don't take time to notice the gifts and talents, but then if we do, we end up comparing. So I really just want to encourage all of us today to think about how we can notice other people and really cheer them on wherever they are, whatever we see that they are doing well. And then I think the next thing is what I ended up doing with Todd and Brooke, and that is listening to each other, listening to their stories. Now, the very first day that I talked to Brooke. She definitely is an open book. Uh, Todd says she shares too much. It was perfect because I was writing a book about them. I needed her to open up and really know what was going on. And let me just tell you what I saw, that little glimmer of personality and love for her husband and excitement. It was just the tip of the iceberg. Um, Getting to know Brooke, she is a joy to my life. And she just opened up And she will sit down and she will share all the hard stuff she's done, all the mistakes, because she also wants to share what God has done and how he has redeemed things and how he has changed her. So the very first time that we talked, um, Brooke shared about her 
struggles with depression. And she was a mom of young kids. She was extremely depressed. She would try to pray, 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 um, and, you know, ask God to take away these, these depressing thoughts, these feelings of being insignificant, these, these feelings that she was ill, that um, so many, so many hardships. And she had all these little kids and she basically could not hardly make it through the day. And that's from the very first time. So I'm going to share a clip right now. And this is a clip of Brooke sharing about um, just after the depression, how she was able to come through it. I, I don't think I'm crazy, but like, I, I feel like I'm going crazy, you know, and right. she literally was like, Brooke, for the first person, she was like, you're not crazy. Like you have this many kids, you have all this pressure, you've been through all this traumatic things, you know, with Jose, you're, you're a postpartum, you're harm, like you're just, she's like, you know, you've got to give yourself a break. And she's like, so this, when she set me up, with the, she set me up with a neurologist that I could see the next day in her, like in her building. He wasn't like the top one, but she's like, I'm going to get you to see him so he can help you. He can, you know, she immediately put me on like an antidepressant Lexapro, a different one and um, some stuff to help me like for a couple weeks, like, and literally like, and I used to be, I'm going to tell you, I was very, um, again, I think that Jesus is the answer. But I think that I, we, you know, in Christianity, we dealt really harshly with people that have to take medication. Mm-hmm. I had never taken it. I had suffered through so many years because I was like, nope, God's going to, you know, and God kind of really humbled me to see like how he can use both sides. Because at this point I needed help mentally to get stuff back in line so I could battle it spiritually. And so, um, I started taking this, 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 this med and slowly, but surely, I don't know if it's God's time, like. I just started to come out of the fog. It took probably another six, seven months to fully, like, it's kind of one of those things. It wasn't an instantaneous thing I did, but six months later, I look back, oh, I didn't quite worry about it quite. Like it was, it was a very, very gradual that I almost didn't notice I was getting better. And, um, and, but like, that is kind of where it started in that moment that, that there was, and she was a Christian. And so she really spoke to me from a Christian perspective. She really gave me a lot of hope. She did not make me feel like, you know, you're losing your mind. I understand why you're worried about this. I understand. And, you know, got me right in with that neurologist. He really helped me to, till I could see the main top one to kind of, um, you know, put my mind at ease a little bit. And so then I went to get to see the very top one. She did some nerve study tests. Um, I think all those come back fine. She actually told me, she said, Brooke, she said, you know, she didn't know why my, she, she wanted to run some tests because she didn't know why my tongue was doing what it was doing to this day. We still don't know. It's kind of like, cause they, I don't know. I don't know why my tongue does that. Right. Um, but at this point, you know, we had been struggling with this long enough. It's like the, the guy doing the nerve study told me, he's like, Brooke, you would, you know, you would already be declining if you right. really had fail it, you know, a lot more. And, um, she, um, actually said there's a patient she's seeing today that you know she, unfortunately she felt like she that she was gonna have to tell him that's what they had you know and I think I actually saw that patient me and my husband outside her husband's having to help a lot like it was a completely different you know but she started to like and so from that point I kind of started to come out of it um I still had to be very guarded by what I read because I had been read up and watched every ALL oh I memory, every person that had it how this was going to go down and I had to untangle myself from those fears like I literally I remember rocking, and this is when I was still pregnant. I remember rocking Hosea, who was, you know, the one that had all the issues and, 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 and we were coming out of that, but I was petrified. And I remember begging God, I'm like, just please give me more time, please. Like I, I really, I just remember just bawling. I'm a cry, I'm a cry, I'm a cry. 
this. And she's like, please, you know, please God. Cause you know, I was pregnant. I'm like, please just give me more time. And I remember I try to walk around and clean the house and do normal things. And there'd be pictures and stuff. And I'd be like, you know, like then we, I just could, in my mind, it was like, I was being tormented. Like when my kids, mm-hmm. would they remember me? Like, like, I don't know. It was just horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was the worst feeling. I don't know how to like, and, um, but literally I remember crying out to God and I'm like, God, I asked you to bring me freedom. You know, like, why would you do this to me? Like, how would mm-hmm. you, like, I beg, you know, I was like, God, I was begging you to bring me freedom. He said, Brooke, he said, he said, you asked me for freedom. He said, but what you wanted was relief. And he said, because yeah, you wanted it to stop. You wanted the relief. He said, but you know, freedom's a different thing because see, you got to know how, when the enemy comes back, you got to know how to overcome. You've got to mm-hmm. know real freedom is costly and it's not easy. And so God began to like, and it, and it really was true. Like I prayed for freedom, but what I wanted was just relief. I wanted to yeah. stop. I wanted to stop being afraid. But if I didn't learn how to battle that, mm-hmm. then I wasn't going to ever overcome that because the yeah. enemy would come right back with something else. And so it was kind of like, I've kind of learned through that. I don't want relief. I want right. freedom yeah. and freedom's different. And my anointing going into that trial and, and I just, and, and the difference of it coming out and some of the things that I could connect with that I couldn't before some, even the power when I spoke and when I think was so different from when I come out, because it's one thing to say, God's good hmm. on the mountain. It is one thing to, to know he's good when you're on like this experience we're having now, but it's a whole nother thing to know and experience that God's good when you're in the valley. Yeah. And so that's a whole nother side of God that you have to experience. You don't know, like, you, you know, and so you have to walk through things to experience that side of God. And so, um, you know, that was a huge trial in our life. Um, huge for my kids, for my husband, for me and my husband was pastoring. It was all like all in the same time. We, we had so much transition and things going on. Um, and, and I don't know how, um, it's just one of those things that God brought me out. I can't tell you exactly. It wasn't a miraculous moment. It was a day by day by day that, that I renewed my mind yeah. and yeah. day by day by day that I cast down the lie of the enemy and day by day that I begin to choose faith over fear. And so right away, as you can see, and I just love I just love Brooke. Um, you can see that Brooke is someone that opened her heart. She wanted to share her story because she knew there's other people out there that may be facing depression, that may be thinking something's wrong with me if I have to take medication. And like we talk about in the book, Brooke realized she'd been pregnant so many times um, and had all these little kids at home. They had just adopted internationally and there's challenges with that. Um, emotional roller coasters that her hormones, her mind, everything was just in a in a fluctuating state, and she did not feel um, under control. And she was able with with some medication just get her hormones back in and and be able to cope with all that she faced. And I love that Brooke was able that very first day we talked to share her story with me. And so after I ended up connect with them. I did interview Brooke for my podcast, which we'll put the link in the show notes, but I just spent months at least once a week talking with either Brooke or with Todd. Um, and we went down to Mississippi and visited a couple times and it was so fun because 
we went to their their church, which was awesome. And we had a couple different people come up to us and said, they're the real deal. Like what, what you see is what you get. And I found that to be true. And so it was amazing that, you know, through these conversations, I was able to hear more about their journey and be able to, again, notice things and be able to write um, what they've overcome, which is many things, um, marriage challenges, uh, kid challenges, that one child that was um, seriously ill, church challenges, all of these things. And I was able to write that in a book. And again, they just poured out their hearts. So here's a clip from Todd, and he is just sharing about um, kind of the overview. And this, in a second, I'll share how we got the title, but this is a lot of the conversations we had is Todd and Brooke um, sharing that though they were challenged, though they felt at times defeated, how God was able to raise them up and how they were able to overcome. So here is a little clip from one of my conversations with Todd as I interviewed him for the book. I'm not trying to say that like we paid our dues in suffering. I feel like I'm sure there are things that are that'll happen in our lives that'll be painful, you know, that's life, you know. But I do feel like we went through a like steal and kill and destroy sort of season. And then right after that, the scripture says, I've come that you might have life to the fullest, you know. And when I read that, I do uh, now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't want to like be some kind of kook. I, I do see that in like a really, really like spiritual sense, you know, but I also see it in a practical sense. Like, like for me, full living a full life, Jesus came that I can have life to the fullest and that's hiking on trails, you know, and like, um, and that's like dancing, even though I don't know how, you know what I mean? Like, and, and like, wrestling with the kids in the floor and and you know winning the voice you know or going at all those you know i, I realized that, that that scripture is a, a very has a very spiritual like inner um significance but to me like i think the reason that jesus came and died is so that i could enjoy life mm-hmm. now you know not just so that i could you know suffer through it and just hopefully squeak into heaven you know uh right but I feel like one of the reasons he came is because with the law, I mean, if you, if you were a person of faith living under the law, there could have been no real joy, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Cause it's so heavy and, and impossible to do. And so like, there, I don't think you could enjoy things like dancing or going to the movies with your family or your wife or, you know, going out on a date or, or going for a hike or, you know, singing on the voice. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or this theater thing. I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. Oh my gosh. I am as nervous as all get out about it, but I'm also really excited. It's going to be fun. Okay. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you want them to be your best friends too. Um, I still keep in touch with them. They are a great couple. And as I listened to them talk and we were trying to come up with a name for the book and I had a lot of different ideas at one time the proposal that we ended up sending into the publishers which is what you do in the book world you kind of write it's called the proposal this is my book idea there's just some sample chapters this is the chapter summaries it had a different title but as we're talking and you'll probably be able to hear it um, just with those little clips that I shared that what I realized is that even though Todd had won the voice, there was a lot of little wins along the way. 
there was wins when um, Brooke decided she did want to stay in her marriage. There was wins when they were so poor that um, church members would drop off food for their family that God was able to get through those times. There was wins in so many areas of their lives. And um, as we're talking, someone said, it's like every little win. Every little win has led up to the big one, which we think of the voice. But really, the voice wasn't the big win. The big win was that even during the hard times, they looked to God and God showed himself faithful. And so that became the title of the book, Every Little Win. And so what I just want to encourage all of us today, first of all, to notice, to notice each other and then to cheer each other on. And just like I was able to do with Todd and Brooke, of course, the purpose was to write a book, but we can do this every day. We can listen to each other's stories. We can listen like I did with Brooke as she talked about the depression that she dealt with. We can listen as I did with Todd. He talked about these little, little wins in his life were just as important to him as the big win of winning the voice. And we can help each other know that that we each have value, that we each matter. Now, I was able to write about Todd and Brooke's story because he did win The Voice, and he is continuing to record music. He is continuing to perform. He was able to perform in my town for some of my church friends, which is just awesome. But God is doing amazing things. And why I wanted to highlight this, first of all, I believe that we definitely need to be cheering each other on. And this is the thing that I find myself telling over and over. Cheer each other on. Encourage each other. Listen to each other's stories. um, Help each other know our value. But I also have something super fun. So this weekend, um, so this is is releasing on September 9th. So just um, in a couple days, Todd is going to be singing, he's making his debut on the Grand Ole Opry. And he's going to be there with Blake Shelton and some of his other uh, people that he knows from The Voice and people that have been on The Voice, which I think is so fun. So this is my way to say congratulations, Todd. Um, I love that you continue to follow the dream that God has put on your heart. So Definitely, um, hopefully we'll be able to see clips that he'll be sharing on social media for his debut on the Grand Ole Opry. And that's not a small thing, folks. That's a huge thing to be on the Grand Ole Opry. It's kind of like uh, a fun a fun reach for musicians and, and singers. And so um, next, I want to just share something that's super fun. And this is kind of an exclusive share right here. Um, but Todd has a new song releasing called Home Wasn't Built in a Day. And so as we wrap this up, first of all, I'm going to remind you again to notice each other, to cheer each other's on, to listen to each other's stories, and to help each other know the value that we each have to offer. But I want to share a little clip from um, Todd's song Home Wasn't Built in a Day. And I encourage you to go listen to it on Spotify or to buy it. And I think that um, you will enjoy it. So here it is, a clip of Home Wasn't Built in a Day.
garage Just a couple crazy kids in love That's where this story starts We weren't afraid of nothing Cause we didn't have a clue Some stick on tiles and a coat of paint And we turned that house into A home It wasn't built in a day Didn't happen overnight Took a lot of ups and downs, a lot of wrongs and rights I did a lot of hanging on when I wanted to let go Took a lot of years and tears and prayers, but now we know That home wasn't big for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again. <laughs>